1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG 13.
0: Hello, tech fans, and welcome to episode 140 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Coming to you today. From TSL's high tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center, on Saturday the Hokies gave up 600 yards in a 56 to 45 loss to UNC. Now, what does this all mean? We'll break it down to you coming up next on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Welcome back to the Tech Side Line Podcast. Whether you're watching live or archived on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we are so glad that you could join us today as we record Monday, October 12th. Our crew today, we have our general manager and founder, Will Stewart, managing editor, Chris Coleman, and the top producer in the USA, Malcolm Stewart who is taking your questions on YouTube Live for the end of the show. And I am your podcast host today, replacing Evan Hughes for the day. It's great to have you with us. As always, the Tech Side Line podcast is brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. This week and every week, this Tech Side Line podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day, or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031 or Email the Fisher Law Firm at infofisherlegal.com. At well, a rainy day, hurricane still having its Again. effects here in Blacksburg. Uh, how are you all doing today?
2: I'm good. Normal day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I'm good. I've got a couple of house cleaning items to go through. First of all, uh, well done reading the intro, but you never told us your name. Do you realize that? I, oh. It's I said, in the oh, no, I think he did. I thought he said I'm your yeah, He guesses. introduced
2: us first and then came back and said, and I am your podcast host. But did he
1: say Nick Brown?
2: I'm pretty sure. Well, right. I'm Nick Brown if I didn't I don't say know. that earlier. We'll have to watch the tape and review. Anyway, this is
1: freshman <laughs> Nick Brown. He's in uh, Bill Ross Sports Media and Analytics Program. And we've been meaning to rotate some, uh, some of the students into hosting the podcast. So uh, welcome, Nick. Um, it is really hard to get Evan to let go of the reins. He really likes doing the podcast and... uh you know, I finally told him, Evan, you need to take a seat on the bench. We need to let somebody else do yeah, this. Yeah, we got
2: to get the backups ready for after you graduate. We man. do, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, sure. those those freshmen got to become sophomores at some point. He
1: gets this <laughs> hurt look on his face whenever I start talking about the future. <laughs> he's kind of like that girl, you know, you're going to break up with someday, but she doesn't want to hear it, you know? <laughs> so anyway, Nick is from uh, Radford, so that's why I am – It's it's always – We always have to discuss what we don't have to discuss what i'm wearing on the podcast but today we will i'm sporting a radford high school t-shirt the black and gold of the bobcats and i haven't gotten to wear it this fall because there have been no cross-country meets not that my kids you know my kids are all graduated from high school but so i used to wear this during cross-country meets in the fall and going to football games and things like that and i have not put this shirt on in months so i appreciate the opportunity to uh to put on the, what is it called? Is it called Old Gold?
0: Yeah, I think it's Old Gold and just good old black.
1: So it's funny, Tech fans get, uh, they get in these discussions about uniforms and, and how they hate orange. And, and I go to see Radford School football games and the black uniforms are always very cool. hmm I'm actually i mean i'm sorry if you're a radford guy nick whoever else i'm just it's just not a gold that i really like so it's it's kind of a washed out gold i think it's good as an accent color but not a main color so a couple other house clean house cleaning items let's see uh, i think in the last podcast i forgot to include a link to the uh cool uh, banner that's hanging over my shoulder from campus emporium so i'll try to Remember to put that in the description of uh, this week's uh, YouTube video. So I'll try to get that taken care of. And we need some help from folks who are listening. Uh, we got some comments on the last podcast that Chris was coming across a little hot, a um, little loud. And that's Chris's phone ringing. right. At the right. Moment. Eh, we'll get it. Don't worry about Not it. Um, so we, we got news that Chris was coming in a, a little loud so we're we're working on the volume of uh, his microphone for this podcast um, so you know if if you're listening live go ahead and give us feedback on how everybody sounds that's when we really need the feedback is when we're actually doing the recording so uh, all that said let's uh, get down to discussing that debacle on Saturday
0: yeah UNC putting up 600 yards on the Hokies defense
1: 656 to be exact
0: there's a lot. <laughs> and the Hokies defense giving up 56 points. There's a lot of reasons going into this of why there's over 600 yards and over 50 points, but what stuck out to you the most? Was it coaching Justin Hamilton's first game, calling plays, or COVID affecting 15 players missing instead, including four safeties? Well, it certainly wasn't Hamilton. Um,
2: I think that there, there's. Kind of three different things at play. I think up front, particularly at defensive tackle, I don't th- think Tech has the personnel to run this type of scheme, at least not against a, a, an offense the caliber of North Carolina. Uh, you know, Duke gashed Tech up the middle in the run in the second half. We all and, saw it. And NC State NC did it. NC State did it to a certain extent. They they just They to. couldn't do it as much because Tech was up three scores the whole uh-huh. game. So – the warning signs were there for anybody who wanted to see him, and so, and we, as we know, the more games you play, the more film is out there, the more evidence gathers that you know UNC watch those first two tapes, and they're like, "Man, Tech is weak up front," you know, and they just so they took advantage of that. Uh, that's not an overnight fix. Um, I think at linebacker, Tech lacks athleticism. It certainly doesn't help. Rayshard Ashby when defensive tackles that aren't really suited for the scheme are getting pushed back into him. But he's a guy that needs to be in the absolute right situation to be really effective. He's
1: a downhill player.
2: He's a downhill player, and he's not in shape right now. Um, Because he he missed so much time in the preseason. And, you know, Dax is... mm, Dax is just it hasn't lived up to the. Hype. You, see, you
1: hear Chris picking his words. I mean, we love Dax. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And and, uh, and, t- and, and and I think that Dax got better as the year went on. Last year, he did. Um, he I, did. I I, th- I think uh, I think he's regressed.
2: Yeah, uh, um, yeah. Uh, he seems to have. Uh, Tisdell has lost ten pounds between his freshman and sophomore year, and now can't tackle anyone. Um, think think about it. Caleb Farley was about the same size as a cornerback, but Tisdale is as an inside linebacker. Right. I mean, that, that's insane to think about. Um, big issues, uh, you know, in the secondary. You know, I'll just go ahead and uh, and read Fuente's quote about the safeties yesterday. Yeah, this is, uh, um,
1: and this is going to segue into some stuff I've got to say too. So go ahead. You've got. Diablo Jenkins and Shamari
2: Connor out. We lost Nasir Peoples in Fall Camp. Devin Hunter is out, and you've got Nadir Thompson going in there. It whip, who's been out all fall camp, but played last week at corner. Uh, you throw him in there. Nike, Nike Hawkins has been out for all fall camp. We couldn't get the cor- uh, we couldn't get the corners ready all week to go play safety because we didn't have most of them. Like some of those corners that were out for the Duke game didn't return until midweek, I, I right. suppose. Yep. Uh, the worst thing a coach can do is get up here and give a bunch of excuses. It's still our job to find a way to get the job done, but there comes a point where you don't feel like you're giving your guys a chance because there's nobody left. Um, we put Jermaine Waller in there at nickel, and he's playing with one arm. He goes down, and everybody's booing because they think he's trying to slow the offense down, but he's the only one left. Um there was another one in here, but yeah, okay.
1: And again, this is Justin Puente talking after we were, the game. We,
2: we were better at corner this week, health-wise, mm-hmm. but some of those guys hadn't practiced, and we couldn't get anyone else in there to play safety, so we ended up putting Tisdale in there. So in the middle of a football game, they actually put linebacker Alan Tisdale at safety, yeah. and he's never even played the position, right? Or he played it in high school. <laughs> hasn't played it in, in a game at all so you, you know you just you can't just switch guys positions in the middle of the game and expect success right so I, I think it's just a combination of everything I, I think pl- guys playing out of position I, I think there's are certain areas up front where they have guys that aren't necessarily a fit for any scheme except for the one that Tech ran under Bud Foster and Charlie Wiles um, lots and lots of injuries and covid related stuff in the secondary i also don't know that they've installed the entire defense yet um they obviously didn't have spring to install it uh they the program got shut down a couple of times in the preseason i mean the defensive coordinator was out for two weeks other defensive coaches were out for multiple weeks and even if you even if you had all the coaches there the whole time i mean as much as half the team was out at one point for for various reasons, right? So, even if you install, let's say you want to spend one week installing a certain package on defense, okay, you do it, but half your defense isn't even there. You get them back the net, you get that half back the next week, and you have to do it all over again, right? So they were behind from having no spring practice, not installing a new scheme to begin with. And they gave them extra time. I, like obviously everybody had a longer preseason this year, but that doesn't do you any good at ha- if half your team is out, if part of your coaches there, yeah. are out. So I'm, I don't know. It's possible, maybe even probable that they don't even have everything installed yet, which would be understandable. So I just think there's a there's a multitude of reasons uh Throw in the fact that you know Carolina's really, really good uh, offensively, at least. Yeah, they and finally it, hit their. It's record. kind of the perfect storm, yeah. and I think Fuente knew that was coming. You know how I, how I why I say that is because they did the pooch punt on the first on the very first drive of yeah, the game.
1: The, the quick kick. You yeah, know, the,
2: yeah the, the, the quick kick with a uh, with Burmeister, and that's not something you do if you trust your defense, <laughs> right? Um, so they lined up out there. It was actually re- really well done. I think the idea was all right, you can get Mac Brown to burn an early timeout. So if UNC has the ball last in the first half, that's one less timeout they have. And then you have, we have an opportunity to get a huge field position advantage. And it worked. The, uh, Burmeister did a really good job with it. That's that ever really ended up being a
1: 51-yard punt. Yeah, and it, it, rolled, rolled, it, in it, it
2: rolled inside the 20. And you know,
1: punting's not an easy thing. It's, it's
2: not. Um, so that was – brilliantly executed and called and everything like that but the reason they did it is
1: because he knew we
2: weren't going to be able to stop it it didn't matter he knew from the very beginning that we were not going to be able to stop him and if if you go back in time and look at that decision to do that pooch punt right there i think i think that's an indicator that fuente knew that was going to be a long day defensively yeah
1: so so that's Chris holding court for somewhere between five and ten minutes, yeah. and and I could probably go fifteen minutes. Um, so, <clears throat> so, they, so they start talking to Fuente after the game, and, and he and he homes in on the safety issues, mm-hmm. and and I have a couple things to say about that. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit in the in my Monday article that I'm going to wrap up after the podcast. Um, there is a uh, there's a highlight video that the ACC Digital Network Network produced of Michael Carter and Javante Williams and some of their runs. And if you go and you watch just that highlight clip, which is only about four or five, six plays, <laughs> you see Tyler Matheny coming up to fill the hole and missing tackles or or getting just beat. And if you look, and I'll put this in my article, there are three plays where if, if Matheny makes the play, it prevents an additional 90 yards of rushing. <laughs> um so you you give up 656 yards if divine diablo's in there and he makes those tackles you're immediately reduced to 566 yards
2: <laughs> that's t- not very many
1: <laughs> that's just well you know but i but but there there when you start just making a few plays here and right. there on the back end of the defense those hideous point totals and yardage totals start to go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, not certainly 500 and some isn't reasonable either, <laughs> but it's, but, you know. Yeah. And so there is some truth to what he says. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought Jermaine Waller actually played pretty he, well. He did, he did. You know, um, all that said, I've, I've watched the conversation among Tech fans ever since the game, and, and it has been, there, there's a group of Tech fans that say, you know, we're missing 15 guys. You just can't expect to do well. And then there's the group of fans that says, yes, but the front seven was getting whipped. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, the entire front seven was there, to my knowledge.
2: Suffered design the boast. who's a backup defense. Yeah. Um, and, and Deshaun Crawford.
1: Yeah. And so, for example... Um, yes, you are correct. The defensive tackles were at points at getting pushed into the linebackers. But I also, there was just a weird play early on where UNC ran up the middle. And um, this was this was before, it was early on. So, and the defensive tackles held their ground. And, and Rayshard Ashby went charging up to the line of scrimmage and engaged the center. And I don't know who the running back was. It was probably Carter, just went off guard, off tackle, and, and ran right by So, yes, it is true that that the D tackles are are often getting pushed back into the second level, or they're not occupying blockers who are getting into the second level. But we also just saw a lot of bad angles, bad reads, and and things like that from the linebackers. And there's a stat in my article today. um, Rayshard Ashby did not show up in the tackle statistics in the first quarter, I believe, when he made his first tackle, it was on UNC's thirty-third play from scrimmage. He was
2: the second lowest grader on PFF on the yeah. defense; it's like a thirty-three out of mm. hundred.
1: And those are preliminary grades, preliminary, but still. But yeah. And that tackle, which was made on UNC's thirty-third play, was twenty-seven yards downfield. Mm. So that's the kind of day the linebackers had. If, if you like, if you look, Tyler Matheny led the team in tackles with ten. Right. <laughs> but I just detailed three plays where, if he'd made them, that'd have been three more tackles, and it would cut way down on UNC's rushing totals. So it's, uh, you know, I don't want to sound this way, but about the only positive thing I can say about the defense is I was impressed with Pollard. Pollard. Pollard, I think, had six tackles. He was the only D lineman over two tackles. And he had a couple of tackles, and he may have had more. He had a couple of tackles that were 18 yards downfield on the sideline and 29 yards downfield close to the sideline. That guy was hustling. And I make the I'll make the crack in my article later today. It's almost like he's auditioning for defensive end.
2: Yeah. But yeah. you know,
1: I don't know that that's a possibility. You sit here and you and you talk about it. so one one point that Chris made in, in his Sunday article is that if you go back to, I think it was 2017, you've got Tim Settle and Ricky Walker in the middle, and those are those are big dudes, those were NFL sized defensive tackles that that whatever Tech is doing schematically would have been better suited for it at this point in time. I think but you know we if you want to talk about Narell Pollard moving to defensive end and smart guys have said that Brandon Patterson said that mm-hmm. um not only not only does Virginia Tech need more bodies of defensive tackle now to my knowledge they have zero defensive tackle commits Correct. in the current recruiting class this is getting scary um they'll get better as you, as you, uh, to to your point if once they practice the scheme more and work on things they will get better but there's, there's not a lot of help, and and Deshaun Crawford's out. I don't know when we're ever going to see Deshaun Crawford again. Jaden Cunningham I don't think is ever going to play a down for no, Tech. We don't
2: even know that Crawford's like those other guys. We don't even know if he can play in this scheme. Or not? He's he's two six t- two hundred ninety pounds.
1: Well, okay, so you know? he he's not a real big guy either. No, but no. but, he, but well, he's strong and high I energy. Mean, Fuga
2: and and Jaden Cunningham are the two guys who are. And Fuga was our highest grading defensive tackle yesterday.
1: And and I that makes sense from right. what I watched. Right, yeah. right, yeah.
2: definitely the highest grader for sure. Uh, I think he's the best physical fit. Hopefully, maybe one day Jaden Cunningham will be healthy. But you know, last year, and uh, I think I put this in my article yesterday, but. Norell Pollard and Jared Hewitt combined for five tackles for loss and four-and-a-half sacks against UNC last year. And they were a big reason why Virginia Tech won that game. And then last year, I mean, they didn't even come close. Saturday. Yes, Saturday, they didn't even come close to getting in the backfield and were yeah. going backwards a lot. I mean, yeah. Hewitt, I think, was the – I don't know if he – I think he was the second lowest grader at defensive wow. tackle. Uh but i mean he's 280 pounds yeah. and i think this scheme is requires at least one of those defensive tackles to be able to occupy a double team and neither one of those guys are big enough to do that
1: i see, seen and i've it, seen fuga do that at times but you're right right, right.
2: Yeah. and i like and I, i'm not we're not criticizing these guys it's not their fault they, they were good players in tech scheme like we all were really excited about norell pollard last year what he did as a yeah. true freshman yeah. in that yeah. scheme but that was a different scheme and some guys they're only fits for certain schemes right and you know i i i think those those two guys at 265 pounds with pot which is what pollard is and 280 pounds with hewitt uh, playing in any other scheme other than the old virginia tech scheme is going to be difficult for those guys
1: so one of the things this makes me think of is uh you know when the university of Virginia. Was hiring coaches who were trying to compete with uh, traditional styles of play. They they were not successful in, in in battling North Carolina and Duke in ACC basketball. Right. When they hired Tony Bennett, a, a different coach with a different system, and started recruiting to that system, mm-hmm. that's when they got really successful and eventually won a national championship. And and I read somebody somebody made the comment, you know. You're not going to out-recruit UNC and Duke. You need to learn to beat them a different way. So right. one of the things I worry about is if, if Tech is going to a more traditional scheme, right? Then they're going to have to recruit you, for right. that scheme.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, right. And
1: and some of the most rare athletes on the planet are those six foot two, six foot three, three hundred pound plus defensive tackles who are athletic. There are not many of those guys. You know yeah. It's like the uh, it's like the 125 pound class in wrestling. There just aren't that many grown men who weigh 125 <laughs> pounds or less, right? You know, so these are guys that are hard to find, and and so that's something to keep an eye on moving forward.
2: Yeah, it absolutely is, and and you can't just snap your fingers and say, oh, well, Virginia Tech should go back to that scheme. Nobody ran that besides the Bud Foster Charlie Wiles combination. Yeah. Like like I don't, nobody else can really coach that. Even Justin Hamilton. He played in it for four years, but or actually no, he only played in it one year. He was an offensive yeah, player he was an offensive of guy until then. Right? Yeah, he played in it for one year, and then w- he spent more time in other defensive systems than he did Virginia Tech's. Right. I mean, he spent more time in the NFL, the the Saban, the the Nick Saban Belichick system. Was that with the Browns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he played with the Redskins, and he's coached at several different places in college. So he has more experience in other schemes than he does Virginia Tech's. Yeah. So it's not like you could just snap your fingers and go out and hire somebody and just replicate that defense because nobody else coaches that
1: way. So So this
2: transition was going to happen at some point, whether it was 2020, 2025, 2030, it was going to happen at some point.
1: And here it is. Here we are. Um, So one last thing I have to say about that is so, um, and we're starting to make these sort of comments and and the fans are starting to say on our message boards and starting to email us and say, what is the scheme? What do you see? You know, and, so I've I've tasked Brandon Patterson with uh have you contacted him? I have. Before? Yeah, I emailed him last night and I said, you know, fans are asking us for for a description of the scheme. And and so Brandon will either do that this week or as soon as he can. I'm not sure he's digested enough game film at this point right. to really kind of tell us what he sees. Yeah. He has made a comment about how the defensive ends aren't crashing down yeah, yeah. like they used to. And that you know?
2: puts more pressure on the defensive tackles to hold right, up. Cause right, because they're not getting that support right.
1: from guys crashing down. Right. So um, we went on quite a while about that. that but was, you know, Sorry, when you, Nick. When you give up <laughs> 656 yards and 56 points, there's, a lot, ports, there's a lot to talk about.
0: An interesting stat brought by the one and only Diablo fan account <laughs> for Virginia Tech points per game. You talked about Tyler Matheny and Diablo being out. With Diablo, since 2018, we have allowed 27.4 points per game. And the three games where we haven't had him, which was uh, Duke, this game, and 2018 Notre Dame. Oh, we... Now, of course, UNC and Notre Dame are good. Right. We've given up 45.3 points without him in those three games.
1: Man yeah so yeah. Well, there you go divine diablo and now you know be back,
2: and right? yeah. now this is now what hasn't changed in the tech defense or any defense is there's always going to be a free hitter right because 10 guys can't block 11 yeah mm-hmm. so unc just time time and time again got it in a situation where Matheny was the free hitter and those guys are walk-ons for a reason mm-hmm. And it's it's you're never going to have a, a walk-on program like Virginia Tech used to have ever again because of the camp circuit these days, yeah. and those guys don't slip through the cracks anymore. So when you play a walk-on these days, generally it's going to be a, a big, big, big drop-off. And, and he played well against Duke, but Duke didn't even know he was going to be playing until...
1: An hour before the game, and you could yeah. tell UNC knew it. Um, right now, I thought, you know, yes, I saw him hesitate a few times, but for the most part, Tyler Matheny's brain worked just fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, see, just... and er- early on, he he got in and he made a couple tackles, and and you know, he's he's just not a guy that's going to be able to go an entire game against an offense like North no. Carolina's. Right, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. I still have ultimate respect for him for turning down a full wrestling ride to UVA to walk on Oh, see, that's
1: a little bit of trivia. I didn't know.
2: I I knew he turned down a uh, wrestling scholarship, but
0: I didn't know it was to UVA. Mm -hmm. It was to UVA. So a little respect Uh, there. The the
1: legend of Tyler Matheny grows. (laughs) It
0: grows. It grows. Mm -hmm. So, yes, obviously coming in uh, dropping off with a walk on there. Uh, We're going to. Cut to the Fisher Law Firm ad. We're going to take a quick break here uh, for you as Malcolm will roll that ad. Mm-hmm.
1: If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at fisherlegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. let Let's go. Home. Hokies. All right. Many thanks to the uh, Jonathan Fisher and the Fisher Law Firm for being the lead sponsor of the Tech Sideline podcast. We also want to give a shout out to Tony Roby's Southeast Regional Training Center. We talk about that all the time, how important it is to Virginia Tech Wrestling. And, you know, we hope to have Tony on a uh, on a podcast here soon. Um, to my knowledge, the, the wrestling team still doesn't still even have a schedule, but uh, we're working on that and we'll, we'll get him on here to kind of give a rundown of the team and and how things look for this year. But uh, to learn more about the Southeast Regional Regional Training Center and to donate, visit southeastrtc.com. And, uh, yes, we will talk about these guys later on. <laughs> <Make sure laughs> All right. So, Nick, back to you.
0: All right. So the offense scored 45 points and had a boatload of yards. Besides the first quarter fiasco, was the offense really a huge factor part to in the point loss? A finger at? Yeah. Did like, <laughs> I mean, you really point your finger so at? So yeah. I, I have
2: hey. a
1: lot to say about this, but I'll let Chris nah, go. I first. mean,
2: let's see. Rushed for two hundred sixty, scored forty-five points,
1: five hundred yards, roughly. Yeah, ninety-nine. Uh, six of the,
2: six of fourteen on third down, which is pretty good. One time of possession, no turnovers. Yeah, that that should win pretty much any football game outside the Big Twelve, right? Or apparently the SEC these days with Alabama, wow, this. yeah, quite a, quite a weekend um, for LCCs the SEC, and, and yeah, and you know that could be a sign that you know defenses are just struggling this year because right. maybe they're just not in shape. How could they be in shape?
1: It, it's right? funny because usually in in spring football, the defenses are ahead of the offense. Mm-hmm you know so if right. you, if you had asked me going into this year I would have said I think the defenses will be ahead of the offense yeah, so and I, it's, it's the opposite I,
2: I, what I might do for Inside the Numbers this week is actually look at the top like the top 10 offenses in the country from mm-hmm. last year total yards and look at the top 10 so far this year and see how it compares maybe I I don't know but uh, at any rate generally speaking you yeah, did well enough to win I mean you, you can nitpick a few things here and there I mean you can nitpick Khalil Herbert's number of carries early in the game. That's certainly something that if I would have changed anything, that would have been it. Um, the thing is, like, w- we can talk about what-ifs for Virginia Tech's offense and could they have scored more points? Yeah. UNC could have scored 75 if they could catch the ball. So even if Tech had played it perfectly, if UNC had played it perfectly, it, you know, it still probably wouldn't have been enough, right? Yeah. It was just one of those big 12 Style games, but I am pleased with where the tech offense is now with with hooker um I think we know i think i have a I'm more comfortable with this team now actually than I was before because now I know who we are I have a better understanding of who we are I, overall I, as a team see
1: i th- I thought I was starting to know last week, but now we really know
2: now I we think. really yeah. know right right um I, I think we understand, everybody understands now exactly where Burmeister is in the passing game and that Hooker brings more overall balance. He makes the offense more balanced, and, and that's that's where you go with. Uh, nobody had a lot of information on Burmeister, including the coaches. Right. I mean, he was a scout team quarterback last year. They didn't have him in spring practice because there was no spring practice. He missed a good chunk of the preseason due to COVID issues, right? Right. So it's not like they had a ton of information on him. Uh, So I I thought the play calling was better under Hendon Hooker, but I also think Brad Cornelson, he knows a lot more about Hendon Hooker because this is his fourth year with with Hooker. Um, But at any rate, uh, I don't see any scenario where it's not going to be Hooker going forward. Fuente will probably come out in this press conference today and say, Oh well, we'll see how the week of practice goes, and blah blah blah. <laughs> Ignore that. He's just, he's just he's just talking to, to give BC something to think about. But right, I don't right. see I don't see any way that that it's not Hendon Hooker. But Tech is going to score some points this year. They scored 45, 38, and forty five, and that's what their starting quarterback playing one half of football. Yep. So we might see some shootouts this year.
1: Uh, I think that's the way things are trending. Um, so i also think it's fair to pick some nits um and and, and in a it I'll, I'll admit that everything i'm saying here on the podcast is stuff that's going to be in my article later today so if if you're a podcast watcher um sure go check out the article but you're just you're going to hear a repeat of a lot of this stuff so so dave Scarangella, who um, um is active on twitter used to be active on our boards dave runs a uh uh, blog that he calls a uh, sports blog mainly sports blog that he calls Dullest district and and Dave beat me to uh writing up and posting what I'm about to say um you pointed out that Fuente knew how it was going to go with the Virginia Tech defense I agree mm-hmm. um I I tried to be hopeful in 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 our game preview but <laughs> I I I what I was hoping actually was we knew Sam Howell wasn't in a rhythm yet I was hoping that the tech linebackers just weren't in a rhythm yet either mm-hmm. and that they that they would start to play better and be more of a factor. That's one of the things I was thinking. But back to the topic, um, you know there, there are a couple of things I'm going to pick nits with. You knew you needed to get it off you get off to a good start um, offensively. You needed to play to your strength and set the tone. So Virginia Tech wins a toss and they defer to the second half. And I don't think there's a head coach alive (laughs) that will do anything but defer to the second half. Algaro. So, (laughs) because what they don't want to do is they don't want to give up points at the end of the half and then have the other team have the ball at the beginning of the second half. Plus, they also want to, after making halftime adjustments, be the first team with the ball. Right. So that's that's perfectly normal to defer to the second half. But, um, particularly in hindsight... I think it would have been a better strategy to take the football and line up with your nation's leading rusher at running back and your offensive line, which has been stellar so far this year, and say, here we come, try to stop us. Right. And instead, they let UNC take the ball first and – uh, eleven plays, seventy-five yards, I think it was, and that was actually one of their more time-consuming. I was going to
2: say, I'm surprised it took them eleven plays, right? Yeah, you know,
1: but but they, they figured, and and the sideline reporter said that that at when the Virginia Tech defense came off the field after that first UNC possession, Tech was shell shocked. So you've made a giant mistake by letting UNC have the ball first and send your defense to the sideline with their butts whipped. And their, and their chin's hanging. So you're down seven, nothing already. And then what proceeded to happen for the rest of the, uh, the first quarter was they came out and the first thing they did was hand the ball to Khalil Herbert. He runs for five yards. All right. So that's a good start. <laughs> he didn't touch the ball for the rest of the quarter. And in the first half, um, Khalil Herbert, I believe, had eight rushes for 33 yards. Braxton Burmeister ran the ball 11 times. <laughs> And I think the majority of those were designed runs. I don't think they were read options. Um, Plus, he threw 15 passes. So you've got Braxton Burmeister, and granted, he's the quarterback. He's controlling the football for 26 plays, while the nation's leading rusher is touching it eight times, only once in the first quarter, which, oh, by the way, ended with you down 21 to nothing. I just think that, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that Brad Cornelson probably overthought it. Probably, man, dude, just line up and go after him, man. You know what your strength is, and and from, I don't follow UNC closely. Apparently, they were missing a defensive tackle through they contact. Were, they trust. were
2: missing a player on each level of defense.
1: So just play to your strength and go after him. You're, you're you're missing Luke Tenuta, but you've got a good substitute. Other than that, you've got your starting offensive line and the best running back in the country. Just line up and go after him. So I think that was a mistake. And and eventually they they solved that mistake in the second half and scored thirty one points I believe oh gosh and, and had three hundred yeah, yards of offense right. Yeah. right you know they actually outscored UNC in the second half and yes UNC ended up kneeling down inside the <laughs> ten yard line uh, now now that said I don't know I think you can criticize strategy I am not sure you can criticize the play calling very much there was a play and and. You probably remember this early on, Chris. Burmeister throws downfield into what looks like triple coverage to James Mitchell. And I remember it, that play. And it gets broken up.
2: They didn't show a replay of it. So
1: So I went back and I watched that play. Mitchell snuck behind the defense and he had them beat. He was five yards behind that defense. Mm-hmm. That play is Braxton Burmeister's fault. Right. He didn't throw into triple coverage. He threw to a wide open James Mitchell and just left it way short. You cannot criticize Brad Cornelson on that play. Right. And as is typical with offensive and defensive failures, sometimes you can criti- criticize strategy and play calling. Other times you can't. The Players right. have to execute.
2: Yeah, And, so, uh, you know, it's like, I think at this point, after 15 years of having a legit reason of complaining about offensive coordinating, that it's just, habit for for the fan base yeah
1: well they're easy targets
2: they're easy targets anyway but we're just so used to do it doing it Uh, i mean seriously i mean it's hard to break i'm dead serious it's hard to break old habits man um you know and and even like this remember early in when hooker first came in like it wasn't until his third drive that he started getting going, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. he missed that early throw to Drake Dullius. Uh-huh. It was just a perfect call, man. That's a great call, that was a great call, great execution, except Hooker, it was just the timing was way Throws off. Throws it into the yeah, dirt, right? Right. Uh, but at any rate, you know, I think my only real complaint offensively, like, we've gotten off to a slow start. We got off to a slow start against Duke, and I don't think it was necessarily – we it wasn't that we weren't trying to run the ball well against Duke – they just didn't do it very well for whatever At reason. first right right yeah. and obviously they eventually got going so there has been a slow start offensively in two of the three games but so I guess yeah that's my nitpick but ultimately you know when you're scoring 45 38 and 45 most of that with backup quarterbacks then it's a fairly small nitpick and yeah. I think we're going to be fine offensively I if we lose a game because of our offense this year, I'll be shocked.
1: Um, it's it's it, a lot of pressures on the offense. It'll, it'll, In the same way that the pressure used to used, be on Bud Bosser's defense. Right. I
2: mean, to beat UNC on on Saturday, Tech would have had to score it on every single possession, which is impossible.
1: Well, particularly early on. R- right, you know? right. Now, so one, one thing I do want to give Fuente credit for is I think he has a knack for uh, not not every time. But from time to time turning a game around that's out of hand Mm -hmm. i would agree the 2016 acc championship game was getting out of hand and then he ran that fake punt and then suddenly it went it evened out after that
2: he's got a darn good special teams coach
1: yeah yeah you know and, and and in this particular game it was 42 to 17 and then Tech proceeds to score 20 points in six minutes mm-hmm. to make that, it 42 to 36. That was a yeah. gritty comeback <laughs> attempt. Oh, yeah. uh, well, well done, Nick. Uh, so we'll put on the hats and we'll talk about that. Um, it, uh, well <laughs> I thought one instance where, where Fuente completely outcoached Mac Brown and his staff, he sends Brian Johnson out there for the kickoff. Johnson's not the regular kickoff guy. Mac Brown's staff doesn't even doesn't see notice it. it. Now there is a there's a coaching maxim that if you see something like that, you if you're UNC and you notice the kicker isn't the regular kicker, you immediately call a timeout because something's up. Mm-hmm. And then Brian Johnson goes out there and just perfectly executes that onside's kick, and and that's coaching. That's coaching.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the thing is, man, you know Tech had a really good day on special teams. That play. Um, Fifty-five yard, 55 career, yard career, career long, alone, right? His three longest field goals in his career have come in losses: yeah. the UVA game, the Kentucky game, and now and now this. But um, that guy's the real deal at kicker and onside kicks, apparently. What are we up to?
1: Seventeen so, straight, eighteen, uh, yeah,
2: something like that. So, so those two plays in the pooch punt. I mean, yeah. Tech had a brilliant day on special teams, yeah. to be honest with you, and they had to pretty darn good day on offense so they were really really good in two of the three feet phases but well and like you said zero turnovers
1: so in a lot of ways they they maximized everything if
2: you had told me before the game that you know they would recover an onside kick in the third quarter that that they wouldn't commit a turnover that they'd rush for 260 yards that brian
1: johnson would make a 55 yarder
2: and and hendon hooker would would look as good as new after his first couple drives
1: I, like their I would have been like,
2: man, we're 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 gonna win that game. That'd prob final score probably something like forty-one to thirty-one or something like yeah, that. But I would have yeah. picked Tech to win it.
1: It just Not didn't so work much. out that way. Yeah. So.
0: we talk about the, I mean, the debacle as if like we got truly blown out. But people need to go back and realize, oh, it was only an eleven-point loss to an eighth-ranked team in the country at UNC in the rain.
2: This what year were you born? <laughs>
0: 2002. 2002 2002 there you go <laughs> <laughs> there
2: you go and it actually really reminded me and i tweeted this i said this really reminds me of the 2002 tech miami game and it might end up being the same score and it and did sure enough it was the exact same score and it reminded you of that game and that it was such it was such a high scoring entertaining game and tech kept finding ways to stay in it against Miami, but you knew they had no chance to actually win the game. And that was kind of the same thing here. Like, I would have been blown away if Tech had... Like, after a while, it just becomes evident that you're not going to be able to stop them from scoring a touchdown unless they drop a pass or screw it up somehow. was it was shades of 2003, too, and that defense couldn't stop anybody. Right. So it kind of reminded me of of that game. Uh, It's just where you're watching and you're like... Man, if I was a neutral fan, like if I'm, if I'm a random fan that doesn't have a rooting interest in either one of these teams, I would be really entertained right yeah,
1: now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there were a couple of plays in that 2002 Miami game. I think Virginia Tech had a kickoff return, either for a touchdown or close, close. to it. It was Richard Johnson. I think of so. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't quite. Richard yeah. didn't have the jets to make it all the way.
2: Grant Knoll came in and threw a touchdown pass when Randall got hit in a. In oh a play, my gosh. In a play that these days the the defender would have Jonah, Jonathan
1: Vilma just jacked Brian Randall under the Put chin. Put his helmet right there. I think that's the only time in Brian Randall's career where he missed a play. They had to well, take he, him
2: out. Well, he was, his chin was, he had, I think they put stitches in his chin.
1: Oh, n- never mind. We need to talk to Brian one time and say, do you even remember the rest of that game? <laughs> um, so, uh, and then there was another play where, you know, you, Miami was one of the best teams in college football at that point in time, like ever. Yeah. And so they were trying, you remember they were trying to get Ken Dorsey as high as possible. So they tried to do a throwback pass to him down on the goal line. And Willie Pyle picks it off and runs it like 99 yards for a touchdown. So it's 56-45, but it wasn't that close. Right, right, it, sure. it was one play away from being 63-38. to 38, Right, <laughs> you know, and, and there wasn't anything like that in this game. But I agree with you. Just, you just uh, never felt like they were going to catch it. Right.
0: Yeah. So I want to highlight Trey Turner a little bit. He's had at least one big or highlight play in the game. But overall, his production's gone down since the last year. Right? Yeah. Like, what's, his, what's going on with him?
2: I don't. I don't think he's really developed since his freshman year. To be honest with you, I know he's got some plantar fasciitis going on this year. So we've heard. Um, but honestly, when he catches when he catches the ball and gets in the open field, he looks a little stronger this year. I mean, he's turned some big plays, like with the uh, early, the, screen. The, 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 the early jet, screen, the jet sweep yeah. had an early you know, the screen the other day. He's made a couple plays down the field. Uh, but like last year, he's struggling to catch the football again. I mean, honestly, the first drive of the game—I mean, it
1: ended because he dropped the ball. It was not a well-thrown ball, but it was still. But catchable. it
2: was—it was a, a college wide receiver makes. And then Caleb Smith made a catch like that right, earlier on. Oh, on he season. made a much more difficult catch yeah, in that. Yeah. So, I mean, he had to turn a little bit, but. Uh, so I don't. I don't think. I think Tavian Robinson's developed really well, but but on the whole, I do not think Texas wide receivers have developed particularly well since Holman Wiggins left and went to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I, I I don't think like Jafar Williams is a bad wide receiver coach. I just think Holman Wiggins is exceptional, hmm. and you aren't. I mean, he's coaching at Alabama. Well, he's coaching I mean, Alabama, uh, Nick right. Saban wanted to hire him. He's probably exceptional, right? Right. So. And I don't think it's likely that with Virginia Tech's budget that they're going to hire back-to-back exceptional wide receiver coaches. There's just not that many of them anyway. And the ones that are available aren't going to coach for 175000 or whatever we can pay them. So there was naturally going to be a drop-off there, I think, and yeah. I think we've seen it.
1: Yep, not really a whole lot I can add to that. Uh, he he uh he has his moments, but in general I don't think he looks as explosive. So uh I wonder what's going uh, he on. He just
2: looked I think he, he I don't know. That second half of his freshman year, he looked like the real deal. Yeah. And, and the he, catch against UVA down right, there. Right. And he just he just looked like a guy who was going to develop into somebody really, really good. And he's just been the same player though ever since.
1: So I knew there was something Trey Turner related that I wanted to get into. And it was the, uh, touchdown. Uh, the touchdown was to him, correct? Uh, That was called back Mm -hmm. for uh, illegal shift. Negated his own touchdown. Yeah. Um, so we got in a discussion about that on, on Twitter last night and, and Dan Orlovsky, the color analyst actually did a good job talking about what happened there. Um, he, he said, you know, whenever you have two players in motion at the same time, they both have to be still for a second, at least a second. So if you go back and you watch that play, Turner goes in motion from the left side to the right, out in the slot. And instead of stopping and going still, he, he hops up and just, down. Uh-huh. And while he's hopping up and down, uh, I can't remember if the running back was Herbert or Blackshear. I don't remember which. But, uh, you know. Uh, Um, hooker did that little thing of motioning him over from the right to the left so the running back goes from the right side of the quarterback to the left and then stops and turners over here hopping up and down and the ball gets snapped and that's why that was called It, it it's one of those deals where it didn't violate the spirit of the rule but it violated the letter of the rule it wasn't as if both guys were in motion when the ball was snapped or they did two at one time and one guy kept running. It wasn't egregious. That's the stuff it's designed to, pre- to prevent. Trey was just hopping up and down in place. And that, that's a painful mistake for Trey to learn as a junior. You know, when, when you go out there, be still. Well, yeah. it, the, the thing of moving the running back from one side to the other was not part of the motion. So, yes, they, 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 they did throw a second guy in there, probably unexpected. But still, he learned as a receiver, once you're done with your motion, go over there and plant and don't move in case they have to move a running back or something.
2: Uh, I, like wa- I watched him do it live. I saw him hopping up and down, and I'm like, they're about to throw a flag. Yeah. And, and so- Fuente,
1: after the game, you know, he said, he, he said we knew it was going to be a flag. And um, he talked to Trey when Trey came over to the sideline, but he didn't chew him out or anything like that. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, and
0: and that's a frustrating thing where you get a penalty for something you don't even really get an advantage for. I mean, did the Hokies really get an advantage on that play because Turner was jumping up and down? Who was it that was a yard and – That that play would have gone the same. Who was it that was was two yards downfield? That was against Notre Dame. Uh, That was Notre
1: Dame.
2: Uh, Oh, gosh. Uh, Did they call that on Darisaw?
1: I don't remember who it was. Yeah. Clear on the other side of the field, right? Yeah, Mm yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: But, I mean,
2: like the rules are in place – Right, and if you don't follow them, what's rules the or Rules. What's man. what's the point of even having them? Right,
1: and and I think I I don't recall. I think Virginia Tech scored on that drive anyway. Uh, and, and well, see the thing goal. is, if you, a field goal.
2: And the thing to yeah. think about if you're a ref, like you don't know the end result of the play yet, right? Yeah. I mean, you see the guy jumping up and down. That's a flag. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You might feel bad about ah, uh, you know that. They scored a touchdown, and they did deserve to score that touchdown. I wish I'd kept my flag in my pocket. Yeah. You don't think about that. I mean, you, it's just you don't know what the end result of the play is going to so be. So that
1: made it 35-17. Um, if that had not been called back, it would have been 35-21. Um, that's four points Virginia Tech would have had when they made it 42-37. They would have not have gone for two. They would have kicked the extra point, and it would have been tied. You know, all us being equal. Yeah, yeah. It would have been tied at 42 at that point. Huh? Yeah, how about that?
0: Now we would he have gone for the onside kick though?
1: For probably. I think he was I ready
0: for that. Have, <laughs> that's, I that's mean a he's, he's
2: pooch punting on the first drive, and yeah, I think he was all he was going to do whatever he could to to steal possessions. And uh, on that you point. know, uh,
1: in, in the course of covering a team for years, you have your criticisms of them, but um, you know, and certainly I have my my criticisms of Justin Fuente, but uh, his staff can coach. You know, I mean, I I I think as far as pure football coaches, they're good coaches. Oh,
2: I've always said if if you gave him eleven robots and somebody else eleven robots, his robots are going to win probably ninety percent of the
1: time. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So overall, offense looking really really good, and uh, and like you said, you got to kind of start breaking the habit of blaming the offense coordinator when we're actually finally starting to score points consistently uh i think we're got uh time for some facebook live or not facebook live questions yeah not facebook live youtube twitter board questions what do you got for us malcolm
1: excuse me all right we'll start with joe woodyard uh, thoughts on a move to safety for Connor. He's got a solid speed and a great ability to tackle. Just seems whip is becoming nickel and his coverage on a slot receiver just isn't there yet.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree uh, with the fact that he's not good in coverage. I mean, he's never been good at it, but he's not, he's not having that great a year this year, even before Saturday. Um, but again, we don't know how much of that is due to the whole scheme not being completely installed Maybe he missed a bunch of time. Who knows? Um, You know, I can't think about moving him until I could figure out who would play nickel in his place. I I don't know who would be the guy who's best suited for that. If I was going to move Chamari Connor, though, I'd move him to backer. I mean, Tech needs a huge athleticism upgrade.
1: Do do you know uh, off the top of your head what size Chamari Connor is? about 220 okay uh nickel look it up so um, not a uh not, not 215 certainly not, not a yeah so he's so i he, mean
2: but it means that he's not huge but i mean like he's a much better athlete than dax and dax isn't strong at the point of attack either so it's, to me it's not a physical downgrade even though he is smaller
1: i i think uh you know connor i got several thoughts running through my head you know we we've his best players are when he blitzes off the edge. No doubt. And, and one of the things I've noticed on those plays is when he gets his hands on you, you're strong. going down. He's got very strong hands. Like, you watch him and it's like, that's
2: horrible form. And then he just slings it, the guy down like 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 he's nothing. Yeah, yeah. and
1: that's, you know, that's so that's one of, his, one of his good qualities. As far as I know, he's a pretty good open field tackler. Um, you know, I, I go back to the Alonzo Tweedy thing. Alonzo Tweedy was a phenomenally gifted football player. I remember Bud Foster one time called him a phenomenally gifted athlete. Applete. Bud Foster called him, he says, faster than a scalded cat. And man, <laughs> he could run, and his open field tackling oh, ability was, was amazing. Yeah. And that's why he was a uh, gunner. Oh, yeah. You know? But he just he never fit anywhere on the defense. There was never a position that, number one, he was physically suited for, and number two, he could grasp and execute well. Anthony but,
2: Chigag was a really good player too, but he never had a position. Yeah, yeah, you
1: know, and and uh, I don't want that to be Chamari Connor's story. He's got some skills, and, uh, you know, I hope they can find a place for him. Everybody talks about the fact that he got e- ejected for uh, uh, targeting on Saturday, but he wasn't having a good game before. He the, wasn't having they, a good they, game. They had already that, yeah. started to go he, after he was him. The,
2: uh, he was the low grader on defense, I believe. And yeah, the for the, and the time that rates. he was at- Yeah, I mean, UNC – Went after him from the very beginning, like he wasn't having a great year before that anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, he's one of those guys. I think in the 1998 Virginia Tech defense, he's a dominant football player, absolutely dominant. That guy but, is a whip in the mid late yeah, right, right, or a rover, either one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it would have been awesome. Yeah, uh, we'd be thinking of him like we think about Pearson Prelo or somebody like that. You know, I mean, in that in that scheme, he would be great. Yeah. I don't know that like he doesn't have a 100 percent true oh he's a perfect fit at that position right. in this modern age of football uh generally speaking the, the i would say most with nickel rolls would probably be his best fit I, I certainly think you know zone coverage is probably a little better for him but i don't know i, I would i would be tempted to take a look at him at uh backer at some point maybe next spring Very I would also be tempted to take a look at Austin Cannon at defensive tackle um Austin Cannon is a backup offensive guard I think he's only played like six snaps all year he's 6'3 330 pounds former walk-on now a scholarship player I'm not saying that I definitely think this would work um but if he's not going to to actually get into the playing rotation on the offensive line, I would take a look at him at defensive him tackle one, yeah. because we need one of those guys to be able to occupy a double team. And normally I'm not, I'm always a guy who's like, oh, position changes in the middle of the season. Yeah, it's not going to work. And, and it's not a good idea. It's never a good idea. It's a last resort. But it's 2020 and nothing about this year is a good idea <laughs> and ideally yes you do that you experiment with that in the spring of course but there was no spring there was no there spring. was no spring uh so i'm not saying I, I wanted that to happen against boston college but i would try it i would take a look at it in practice for a couple of days and if it didn't work nobody would ever know anything about it but if it
1: did great well yeah i hear you you need a guy who can hold his ground and uh you know uh Allow a guy like Norrell Pollard and a guy like Ger- Gerard Hewitt to take some take some rest on the bench and keep their energy up. And it's, it's tough for those God, guys.
2: God, keep some guys off off Ashby. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Good question. All right, from Eli Largent. What do you think the main problem the defense was having, or what do you think was the main problem the defense yeah, I, was
2: having? I don't think there is a main problem. Yeah. Uh, I just it, I'll go back to my ten minute answer earlier in the podcast. It's everything. It's it's saturday it was everything everything yeah. uh it's some guys not necessarily being a fit for this scheme some guys being out i mean they had to play put a linebacker at rover at one point i mean alan tisdale who hasn't even practiced the position i don't think the whole scheme's even installed and how could it be with half the players out and the coaches missing time so yeah you know, i just i think it's uh it was just everything was wrong and I think the it was the perfect storm of a lot of things were were. It's not it's not like Tech went out and blew the doors off Duke defensively, right? I mean, they gave up thirty one points
1: to Duke, and Chase Bryce was pretty bad,
2: right? So, the warning signs were there, and UNC had the talent to take advantage of it. Yeah. So it, it's 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 going to be it's probably going to be a fairly long year on defense. Uh, more shootouts than we're used to. Um, But at the same time, like outside of Clemson and maybe Miami, there's going to be nobody Tech faces that has as balanced an offense as the one they faced this past Saturday.
1: And we will cover Boston College later in the yes, week. Yes, we will. Um, and hint,
2: host- hint, Boston College can't run the ball.
1: Uh, they, they have not been balanced so far, but they have an opportunity. I think they've, they've got a running back that's 235 pounds. I can't remember how tall he is. He's at least six feet tall. Um, so we'll see. Anyway, good question. Uh, Kevin Siegel asks, do you think the targeting call on Tamari Connor was a mistake or just an unavoidable football move?
2: I was certainly an unavoidable fo- football move. I mean, if he wanted to take out, take him out, he did a bad job of it. If he actually wanted to take him out, he should just gone ahead and used his head, But I uh, mean, <laughs> <laughs> he hit him with his shoulder pad. Um, so I, I do think it's, it's just by the rule book, it's the right call. And it's an unfortunate situation for defenders. Uh, one of my friends played at Tech back in the nineties and and he told me one day, he was like, man, all of us back then would have got ejected these days. <laughs> yes. I mean, he was true. like, he was like, we were doing that on purpose back then. Yeah. We, we were, they were just mean, you it's know? Just, and so you, it's, yeah, it's like, that's the right call, but by the rule book, but at the same
1: time well Uh-oh. my my good friend richie davis i think summed it up very well in a text to me this morning richie said the targeting call in chamari Connors is why modern football sucks period that's a like that sums it up mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i get all my best material from other people <laughs> i'm stealing from dave Scarangella and richie davis <laughs> all right we'll do one more from james reckling why did hooker not start no, I mean, I just
2: – I don't know. Uh, I think there, there's some things, like – this isn't the first time that, that Hooker has dre- has been, like, dressing for games but not starting, right? Like, people said he wasn't healthy enough to play against Notre Dame last year, so they played Quincy Patterson, but he dressed for the game, right? So why would you dress for the game if, if you can't play? I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I, I think – I don't know. He did look rusty early, and he, so it stands to reason that he looked rusty during practice and everything like that. Um, but at any rate, you know, I don't think it matters now. I mean, he's the starter from here on out.
1: Uh, Should be, um... and, and
2: there, there's, there's, pro- I'm sure there's always some things there that, like, from a personal standpoint, that we don't know. Like, like he had a health issue a couple of weeks ago, right? And I think if you've read anything about covid and football players and the things that are required and everything these days you you can probably take a reasonable guess as to what that issue was or what they thought it was so what they thought it was probably some of the
1: follow-up testing you do right 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 um
2: but at any rate it can be scary right so it might also take certain players a while to get over that
1: yeah
2: Um, so that's, that's kind of all I have to say about that.
1: Well, I, uh, I will take the opportunity to uh, tease the Virginia Tech coaching staff. This is the the second season in a row where putting in Hendon Hooker <laughs> appears to, have, right. to, to me, um, you know, you watch you watch how the team was transformed when he started against Miami last year. It's like they, they planted their foot in the ground and they changed from that point on. And that's not all just Hendon Hooker. It was Justin Fuente sure. also changing how he did things. you got right. to give him credit. Um, and then you see the same thing happen on Saturday. And the thing I'm talking about is uh, not only does the offense seem to function better, but something changes about the entire team. Mm. You know. And, yes, there were other guys involved. That was a 55-yard field goal by Brian Johnson and a great onside kick. But, but the defense, therefore a short stretch, was more energetic and played better. And it just seems, with Hendon with being in charge of the offense, at least in the case of Ryan Willis and now I think Braxton Burmeister, it seems to have an effect on the entire team. I think Cornelson is good at
2: adjusting his offense to whatever quarterback he has, but I definitely think he's most comfortable with hooker when it comes to game planning and calling and plays and so my
1: teasing is fool me once shame on you fool me twice right. shame on me do, yeah. do you get it now i think yeah. the team's better with hendon hooker at quarterback. I, I, i'll
2: also say that this this has nothing to do with hendon hooker but something you said that i've already forgotten but it made me think of this this had the potential to turn all duke 2019 i mean yes. it was and it didn't tech stayed I mean, they didn't play well defensively. I mean, they lost the game by 11 points. They really didn't have a great chance to win the game. But, like, I never felt like, you know, Tech never mentally checked out of that game the other day. They never quit. They, 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 they stayed in it mentally. Like, they're fine right now. I mean, where you could, after that Duke game last year, you really had caused a question of, of whether they actually cared
1: well I mean, anymore.
2: And I this year, I, like – like you think I'd be mad after losing the UNC, but I'm I'm really not. Like I think the, I think their mental state is fine right now.
1: So yeah. yeah, to your point, everybody talks about Duke last year, but you know, don't forget Pittsburgh in 2018, 52 to 22. Right. This game was headed down the 52 to 22 yeah. path. Yeah, and and the Q word reared its ugly head after that Pitt game, and and the Georgia Tech game, the 2018 Georgia Tech game, where <laughs> they just ran the same play over and over and over. <laughs> they, they didn't just, even
2: run the 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 triple option.
1: No, they just ran the quarterback uh, <laughs> uh quarterback sweep or whatever yeah. just over and over and just demolished Tech. Mm. And that's what it was looking like when it was 42 to 17 and and it didn't unfold that way. And right. I think that's why when and, and uh, I'll use this phrasing in my article today when you look out on the ledge there aren't a lot of Hokies standing out there today. Right. They were standing out there after the Duke <laughs> yeah, game yeah, and the yeah. Pitt game and the Georgia Tech. The game.
2: offense is good enough now to keep up in games like that. It seems Um, so that that certainly helps.
1: So Hendon Hooker, quote, to your point about the he was asked about the uh, team's comeback. And he said, and this is Hendon Hooker. I'm very proud. I told everybody that I love them and I would give them the shirt off my back. This team is my family and we come in every day and put our heads down and work hard. That's all we can ask for. All of the quarterbacks show each other love and give each other tips as we come off the field. The rest of the team was in great spirits as well, and everybody was saying, "Let's go! Let's make a run!" Everybody was in great spirits. It was great. I don't think he's talking about after the game. I think he's talking about in game, uh, in game, and and that's important, and and it's really important for the rest of the season, you know. So, uh, I thought there some sep- like it or not, some separation occurred Saturday, and that separation is between Virginia Tech. There was that Chris and I. You talk about this all the time. That that trying to figure out who that second tier of teams in the ACC is. Mm-hmm. You've got Clemson, and now I think Miami and UNC are underneath right, them. Right. And then it's still Virginia Tech in a group with Boston College and, and well, I left Notre Dame out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Notre Dame's in there somewhere. You know, um, it's,
2: and it's going to vary so much on a week-to-week basis. Like, yeah. well, Notre Dame looked horrible against Florida State. How do they only beat Florida State by, like, 16 points? Yeah, they should have they, they beat Florida State by 50.
1: They were losing 17-14, like, mid-second quarter. If they are like, a I I legitimate think, number
2: five team in the country, they should beat Florida State by 50 points. Florida State is that bad right so but but so and at the same time like you just put boston college and virginia tech in the same sentence pit i don't don't know i mean boston college had to had it was a last second field goal to beat texas state right so they're not that good yeah and and so pit 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 does one thing really well stop the run play defense they don't
1: do anything else well yeah it's um, so, I, and I will toss this out there: the Louisville game is pretty far down the road. Oh God, they, they got some scary guys on offense, and
2: they don't play a lick of defense. They, that, that, that game's gonna that be game a blast. could be a lot of fun. Yeah. That's right.
1: <laughs> um, so, but you know, if you're watching Louisville and you're like, "Oh, they're terrible," Tech's gonna smoke them. Uh, I don't know about that, man. They got some guys that can make plays. We might, if, if
2: we might beat them sixty to forty, if right. you call that a smoking, that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun <laughs> to watch.
1: All right, so that's it, Malcolm. Any more? That's it. All right, so what do we got here, Nick? We're about an hour and five minutes in. Not too terrible. What'd you think? Were you sweaty or no? Not at all. So this is this is your first time sitting in the chair, right?
0: No, I did one earlier. He did one. Did yeah, in here one earlier, yeah. over quarantine. Yeah, he quarantine. did one
1: in here over quarantine, and then one online, and then did the yeah. remote one. And yeah. I yeah. thought the remote one was terrible, man. No, not 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 <laughs> you. I just I just hate I just hate doing. He the hates remote the podcast. setting. Yeah, yeah, you know the audio was terrible, and the, you know you gotta got to sit around the table like this. So uh, we were wearing the uh, Grit hats earlier. Uh, you, if you want to check out their gear, go to uh, Tech Sideline and uh, pull the more menu and then our sponsors. And then they're down there. Like I've said, if you're on the desktop, their ads are plastered all over the place. Uh, I will do my best to remember to, to put the link to this. And on Thursday, I will be sporting uh, some different gear you can get from Campus Emporium. <laughs> So, And, again, many thanks to Jonathan Fisher and uh, Southeast Regional Training Center. You're like, so a, any,
2: you're like a NASCAR driver at this point.
1: Right? That's right, man. <laughs> well, uh, so Jeb Burton and I trade texts, and I've been getting tips from him. Oh, you okay, know, okay. So, <laughs> um, so what would you think?
0: Um, I feel pretty comfortable. It's yeah. Feeling better.
1: So anything else you want to add before we sign off?
0: Um, I guess Thursday we'll be previewing the BC game. Uh, not sure if I'll be here or Evan. That's yeah. We don't there. know if we'll
1: have Evan back on Thursday but or not.
0: A little tidbit: Phil Yurkovich, Boston College, Boston quarterback, College quarterback. He is now thrown for more yards than ever for BC football in the first four games with eleven 1, hundred eighty-one yards. Through
2: four games, that's the most. That's most heard? ever for yeah. BC football. That's interesting. Huh? Well, uh, you know, I know when they played UNC, they threw it fifty-three times and ran it nineteen times. Yeah. That includes three sacks. So really, it was uh, uh,
1: fifty-six times yeah, and sixteen right. times.
2: So and just the way I saw the way defense, the way UNC attempted to stop the run against Virginia Tech on Saturday, you know, I don't know if that was a right. But that's, uh, I go back and I say BC can't throw it, or excuse me, they can't run it. I mean, they don't even try to run it. What if they try? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, who knows? They apparently they don't practice it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they do have a new coach, and, and you, yeah, you know, so maybe that's a. It, it, that that's not really the culture at BC. It's not.
2: Yeah. I guess if we can talk about that on Thursday. Can't yeah. And, yeah. And
1: and, and Yurko, Yurkovic is a uh, Notre Dame transfer, transfer. Yep. And and I I didn't know if he was a grad transfer or what. He's actually pretty young. I think he's a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. So. so. Um, Have so, fun seeing him around too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's a, I think he's a pretty good football player, and you're going to see him more than once.
0: So yep. Uh, there's also a cool picture circulating. Herbert on his big touchdown. No, when he stiff armed. Uh, <laughs> You're 200% committed. <laughs> oh, <rebellion>, right? <laughs> yeah, he yeah. You kind of hit him with this. Uh, it looks perfectly I'm, I'm, like the. Well, I'm glad. Th- like yeah. Heisman, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a little So, who, so who did that No campaigning.
2: I'm glad That's they didn't get a picture of when the UNC defender pulled Herbert's pants down. That was a view of him that I never. Wanted <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't. See. You catch didn't. You that, didn't catch that part. I did of it? not catch. Oh, that. I mean Herbert's running and the UNC guy <laughs> just grabs him by the back of his pants t- and, and Herbert. It was on. He just kept going for like two or three yards and eventually, like the UNC defender just pulled his pants down basically and Herbert got up and was laughing and the, all the players were having a good laugh <laughs> of it in the middle of the game. I can't believe like nobody pointed that out on Twitter wow. or got a screenshot of <laughs> or anything so, like that. Khalil
1: Herbert. By the way, is still the number one running back in the country in terms of, or in terms of yards per game. So they got to, man, they got to keep that train rolling. But I think we kind of wore that topic out. Yeah. So have you have you got the sign off down? You ready to sign off?
0: I'm ready. If you all ready, I'm ready. I'm to go ready. For it. So we moved on from North Carolina and that whole game on Saturday. We'll move on to eight o'clock on saturday against boss Codge. we'll preview that game thursday thank you to all of our advertisements today from our head huncho will stewart managing editor chris coleman the best producer in the usa malcolm stewart and me your temporary podcast host nick brown we are signing off here from tech sideline studio <music>